I, I, I've been doing this series on and off, just when we're between series, just teaching on the book of Proverbs. And I, I actually have put a lot of study into this. I was going through Proverbs 10. I picked out about 12 verses I wanted to highlight. By the time I'm finished doing the first two verses, I realize I have a whole sermon written on two verses. And so I'm enjoying these series on Proverbs. We're going to keep doing them week after week as we are in between series because it's great wisdom. The book of Proverbs is a great book to devour. There's 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, and there's 31 days to a month, depending on which month it is. And if you want to just figure out, hey, how do I start? If you don't even have a daily devotional Bible reading plan, here's a good way to start it. Whatever today's date is, read that proverb. And if you just read that proverb a day, that'll be a good start into a devotional life. Amen? Because it's great wisdom. I love the book of Proverbs. So let's go Proverbs chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 3, and we're going to look at verse 4. That's all we're looking at today. I would love to do more, and there's a lot more to come. One of the things it says in Proverbs 10, I would so want to preach about this. It says, where there's an abundance of words, sin abounds. I love that. There's great wisdom in that. Where there is an abundance of words, sin abounds. That's for free. I'm just giving it to you. Praise the Lord. Think about that for a minute. You know, someone who's like just always over complimentary and they're always complimenting you. And you kind of think to yourself, this is getting beyond encouragement. This is getting flattering. And then you kind of think to yourself, who are they trying to convince, me or them? Make sense? Where there is an abundance of words, sin abounds. Just, just a thought. Okay, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. By the way, did we welcome Richard Frieden? We didn't. Where are you, Richard? There he is. Richard Frieden from Israel is with us this morning. And it's so good to have Richard here. He's uh, with a beautiful young lady called Sandy, who I've just met for the first time. and excited to get to know her more. And Richard is a guy that we support in Israel. A lot of great things happening in Israel. And we work with this guy. He, I mean this, he's one of my heroes. What he does in Israel and what he, how he serves in that country is nothing short of just amazing. He's a mime artist. That freaks me out. I mean, some people are afraid of clowns. I'm afraid of mimes. So just want to welcome you, Richard. Praise the Lord. The, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desires of the wicked. And look at verse 4. And he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Listen to it now. It says, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away. You ever seen a king and someone's coming and the king just does this? You ever seen dismisses them? Just be gone. That's, that's actually what it's saying when it says he casts away. He just goes like, God just goes, no. And it says, he cast away the desire of the wicked and he who has a slack hand becomes poor but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So I just thinking about this verse, this first verse, and the Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, 
the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Yes, let them say, the Lord be magnified. None of us would have problem with saying that, would we? The Lord be exalted. God, glory be to God. Every one of us would say that continually. But I wonder how many of us say the rest of that. That the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. And the Bible says these words are to be continually on our lips. To God be the glory. And everybody said? And God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. And everybody said? Wasn't quite as loud. We'll try it again. The Lord be magnified. And everybody said? God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. And everybody said? God is pleased when you and I are prospering. Listen what it says. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. So I'm reading Psalm 37. And this is what David said. I was young and now I'm old. I don't relate to half of that verse. I only relate to the first half. I am young. But guys like Toby Harris, they relate to the older part. And you've got to give honor to the elder. Those Because Toby did actually beat me. I did joke about about I was going to catch the biggest fish. And Toby, on our last fishing outing, I got to give him the credit. I got to tell him he actually caught the biggest fish. Well done, Toby. I congratulate you. I humble myself, but I'm looking forward to our next fishing trip. Okay, look what the Bible says. I was young and now I'm old. And this is what he says. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Here's the first part of that verse. Number three, the Lord will allow the righteous soul, the Lord, sorry, will not allow the righteous soul to famish. And David says, I was young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. It doesn't mean you're not without challenges. Doesn't mean you're not without obstacles and setbacks, but the Lord does not forsake you. Amen? And the Bible says the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. I I think about this. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Not without hardship, not without challenges, but never forsaken. Amen? You catching this? And, And I was thinking about this. It goes, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. This is God. The desire of the wicked. You come before God. And there's wicked in your heart. There's wicked in your practice. God just goes, be gone. Matter of fact, he dismisses it. It reminds me of a scripture. It says, husbands, love your wives, lest your prayers be hindered. Here's what God's saying. Hey, husband, if you ain't loving her, speak to the hand. The ears aren't listening. Now, I know about you. It's challenging enough. To get God's, I don't mean like God's, it's hard to get God's attention. But you know, when you're praying, you want to make sure you're praying the will of God. You, you want your desires to be his desires. And yet his desires that you have are God-given. And we need the wisdom to know what is of God and what is our own flesh. And you know, you're wanting to just be the best husband you can be, the best dad you can be, the best man of God you can be. And all of a sudden, God says, if you ain't loving her, you can pray all you like. I'm actually going to hinder your prayers. I'm going to make your prayers harder. I got very quiet in here. Praise the Lord. 
And all the women said at least. <laughs> God says, pray all you like. I dismiss it. Amen. Pray all you want, husband. You can pray. You can fast. You can bind demons. But if you're not loving her, God says, I ain't listening. Now, loving your wife means things like giving her security. It means giving her shelter. It means leading her. It means comforting her. Amen. And so I want to just look at this next verse because that's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3. But look at verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent he makes rich. Listen what it says in the NIV. Lazy hands makes for poverty, but the diligent hands brings wealth. Um, several years ago, Josh and I were driving down Virginia Beach Boulevard. We were having a staff um, luncheon, I think it was. And so I said to Josh, listen, you know, it'd be kind of fun. Let's do something spontaneous. And so I said, let's go and buy all our staff, two donuts each. And we're having, it was a big staff meeting. We had a bunch of people there. How many donuts? It was like 120, 150 donuts we were trying to buy. And so we pull in to a Dunkin' Donuts that is no longer there on the boulevard. By the time I finish this story, you'll know why it's no longer there. And so, I, now to be fair, we did walk in unannounced and, you know, no order ahead of time. But I walked in, I said, can I please have, I'm going to say 120, it was something like that, uh, over 100. I said, can I please have 120 donuts, please? And she looked at me, and there's a whole, the whole, the whole shelves are filled with donuts. There's over 100 donuts on the shelves. And she looked at me, and she goes, if I sell you those donuts, I'll have none left to sell to anybody else. And I went, well, now I must admit, I, I did come unannounced. But I did think to myself, I said to her, I said, they are for sale, right? She goes, yeah. And I said, so the concept is you want to sell these donuts. And she goes, yeah. And I said, so I want to buy them. She goes, but then I'll have none for anybody else. And I'm thinking to myself, make some more. Like, I'm thinking to myself, but I'm trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice, wasn't I, Josh? And so I was trying to be nice. I'm thinking, you know. And then she goes, I'm not going to sell you these donuts because I'll have none to sell anybody else. And I said, but the purpose of the store is to sell donuts. I want to buy every donut in your store. And she goes, I'm not going to sell them to you. I'm thinking if I were the owner of that Dunkin' Donuts and I had an employee refusing to sell donuts to a person, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, girl, you're fired. Because they are. And, I'm, and so finally I said, if you say no, this will be a better story than if you say yes. Because this will be a great leadership illustration that I'll have. But either way, just give me your answer. So she's frustrated. And I see her go and make a phone call. She's obviously calling the manager, the boss, whoever. And I can see her on the phone arguing. But that means I'll have to make more. And I don't want to make more. I don't want to. And so finally, she hangs the phone up. She goes, well, which donuts do you want? I said, all of them. And she packed up the donuts. She was not happy. She was, and I thought to myself, this donut store, if this is the employee, is not going to survive. You see, I want you to catch this principle that the Word of God is trying to make here. If you have a slack hand, well, if I actually sell you these, that means I'm going to have to do more work. 
And I want to tell you, we are coming out of a COVID mentality, and I think we need to get some wisdom from the Word of God again. Can anybody say amen? So I looked up the word slack. I just want to make sure I understood what it was saying in the Scripture in the context it was used in this Bible verse. And this is what it means. A slack hand means to decrease or to reduce in intensity or to reduce or decrease in quantity or speed. Sounds like post-COVID. We've learned that everything takes longer now, and we've learned to settle for less right? service industry. Are you hearing me? And it doesn't have, I actually, yesterday was at Starbucks, and I was at, um, I forget which one it was. It was over on Independence. And this guy, man, I've got to tell you, I find that he worked so quick. He was running all over the place. And I said to him, dude, what's your name? And he thought he was in trouble because the order was taking a while. But I watched, he was making all the coffees for all the drive through customers. He was acknowledging eye contact, all the customers standing there waiting. And I said, dude, what's your name? And he kind of was fearful to tell me his name. And he says, why? I said, man, you are one of the most impressive workers I've seen in years. Well done. You had eye contact. You let customers know. You saw them. They were waiting. You were, you were running around. I just want to tell you, I'm impressed with you. I got to tell you, that man threw his shoulders back, put his chest out, and goes, my name, and I've already forgotten it. <laughs> so here we go. I want to talk to you about this idea that, listen, the Bible says, I want you to catch it one more time. Verse 4, I want you to catch the verse. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So I thought about this because the Bible uses this other word called a lazy man. Matter of fact, another word that the Bible uses is a slothful man. But I'm just going to go with the word lazy man because I don't want to insult anybody. Praise the Lord. And by the way, please do not think when I preached this sermon, I had you in mind. Whenever I preach anything that goes closely to this, I get some emails back. You are having a shot at me. Well, all I can say is if you throw a rock in the pig pen, the pig you hit is the one that squeals. I know you don't like me saying that, but that's true. Or all I can say is this. Please do not think that I have so thought about you that you are the only person of all the people that God's called me to speak to this morning that I just thought about you. How vain do you think you are that you think this sermon is just about you? Come on, somebody. So i got to move. Okay, so here's the first. I want to give you symptoms of a lazy man, the slack hand, the lazy man. Give me, I want to give you some symptoms. Number one, the first symptom of a lazy man is he does not believe he's lazy. So if you instantly sit here today and go, well, this ain't for me, it might be you. The first symptom of knowing whether you're lazy or not is by thinking you're not lazy. That's not me. That's somebody else. I love this here. And the lazy person, listen, laziness is a byproduct. It is not a goal. No one sets out to be lazy. It's a byproduct. And the lazy person is always quick to blame someone or something else. Amen? Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 26. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who can answer discreetly. You ever seen that person, that lazy person? And there's always an excuse. The dog ate my homework. The traffic was bad. I, 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 I had to stop and get gas, and there was a long... There's always a reason 
why they're late, why they didn't get the job done. The Bible says a lazy man is wiser. Why? Because he's got to come up with seven reasons of what is one legitimate reason to justify why they're always... Okay, I know you're not liking it. Okay, okay. They always have an excuse. And here's the thought. Work is a natural and is, is natural and is a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 13. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. What? This is a gift from God. The Bible says when we work, we must work unto the Lord. You're not just working for your boss, whether they're a Christian or whether they're not a Christian. Your boss is the Lord. And whatever your hand defines to do, do it with all your might. And do it with skill and do it with excellence. Don't just do near enough is good enough. Give it your best shot. We're working unto the Lord. Second symptom of a lazy man is they make little soft choices in life. Are you hearing it? They make little soft choices in life. They're breaking it down little by little. We all have a tendency, and I might add, we all have a great tendency to settle. Can anyone say amen to that? And laziness comes on gradually. It happens to normal people every day. You begin to make little surrenders in daily decisions, and they seem harmless. They say there's no immediate consequence to that little surrender, the snooze button, a little bit more time to rest. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 6, verse 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Look what the Bible says. Listen to it. A little sleep, a little bit more. Hey, you get a 15-minute coffee break, and you take 20. There's no harm in that extra five minutes. It's a surrender. You start work at 9 o'clock, and you're pulling into the parking lot at 9 a.m. You're late. It's a little surrender, seemingly harmless. Work finishes at 5 p.m. You stop working at 4.55. It's a little surrender, seemingly harmless, but the Bible says they that do this will end up in scarcity and poverty. Come on, somebody say amen. See, look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and a lazy person will suffer hunger. Lazy. So what happens is, I want you to catch it now. Here's the second thought. Number one, they don't think they're lazy. But number two, catch it now. They just make little soft choices. I remember Sharon and I, when we were living in Australia, we had this guest bedroom, had a little ensuite in it, toilet, shower, and we had a guest stay at the house. And do you know, the Bible says laziness casts into a deep sleep. Well, I kept looking at the doorknob in this guest bedroom and going into the shower and the, and the bathroom, and it was getting looser and looser. Do you know when the screws start coming out? And you really, all you got to do is grab a screwdriver, tighten that thing up, and it'll be good. But I kept thinking, oh, I need to get around to that. I, I really should tighten that up. But how often do I walk past that doorknob to even notice it? And over weeks and over months, laziness casts into a deep sleep. Before you know it, I'm asleep to it. I don't even know. And I know it needs to be fixed, but I always procrastinate it. 
So one time I had a friend stay at my house. He was speaking in the college and uh, I left early. He was coming to speak in the college. And this is back in the day before there were cell phones. Young people, there was a day when we didn't have cell phones. And so I said to him, look, man, uh, I'll just come when you're ready. And he was used staying in that house, in, our, in that part of the house. He went in and, and, he didn't, and, and, the, and the doorknob finally just fell off. And so he actually somehow got himself locked in. He couldn't open. He couldn't turn. And so he's late to come speak in the college. And I'm ringing the house. No one's answering the phone. So I figure he must be on the way, but he's locked in the bathroom. And he's banging, get me out, please help. And so finally he didn't turn up. I got my car, drove back to the house. And this guy's just sitting there on the commode waiting for someone to come and actually get a little screwdriver now and actually put that little doorknob back in it and twist it and open the door because it was locked. I don't know how he did all that, but he did all that. And I remember thinking to myself, that was a wake-up call. You see, laziness casted into a deal. We don't even notice things that aren't working around us anymore. And that's what laziness does. Praise the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 5, the fool folds their hands and ruins themselves. Number, number three, how do you know? How, what's a symptom of laziness? He doesn't value time or seasons. They're not a self-starter. One day is as good as the next. I want to say this to you. I want you to catch this. You can't save time. You can only spend it. People say, oh, we'll just do this to save. You can't save time. You can only spend it. Come on, somebody say amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So here's the thought I want to give every one of us here today. Listen to this. We will all give to God an account for the way we spent our time. Every one of us here will all account to God one day for how we spend our time. Listen, here's what a lazy man does. He looks at... Um, he looks at winter as an intrusion and he becomes a slave to the diligent because he doesn't have any stores. Proverbs 12, verse 24. The diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends up in forced labor. If you always end up in jobs where you are working for someone else and you are always wondering why you're not getting promoted, I want you to think about this. It could be, just maybe, you might want to look at yourself and ask yourself, are there areas where slothfulness, laziness has caused me to be asleep and that's why I'm not moving forwards in life? Amen? So here's the thought. I want to give it to you now. The Bible says, and we're going to talk about this a bit later, number four, the lazy man, a number four symptom of being lazy is you don't finish tasks. In other words, he is lazy in everything he does and sees each task as a mountain and not a door of opportunity. Proverbs 12, verse 27. The lazy man does not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. The, the lazy man, I mean, he may have hunted, but he then, he goes, well, now I've got to cook it. Too much effort. He doesn't roast. He starts, but he's not a good finisher. And he does it even to his own harm. Praise the Lord. I can tell it's very quiet in here. And so here's the thought. Success simply means more work, work, work. Even maintenance of what he has becomes a burden. 
Listen to Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8. Because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Because of laziness, the building decays. And listen to it. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Listen to what happens. He lays up. He, I want you to catch it. He has all these opportunities and he lets them slip by and he has all these half-finished jobs that spoil. Number five, fifth symptom of a lazy man. They live in a world of wishful thinking. Listen, the lazy man has strong desires, but these desires lead to frustration because he thinks about what he wants, but he can't have them because he's not willing to put in the effort to get what he wants. Proverbs 21, verse 25. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work all day long. I want what they have. I want that. It's like my grandchildren. We've had them in the house for a week and they don't normally watch cable TV, but in our house, we have cable TV. Thank you, Jesus. But they don't. So they're now seeing commercials they don't normally see. And every time... There's a commercial. Skipper, can I have that? Skipper, can I have that? And I'm going, sure, kid, get a job and you can buy it. Well, they're a kid. Of course, we're going to give them everything they want, aren't we? So the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. It's not that they don't have desires. You might look at a lazy person and think, well, they've got no ambition. They've got plenty of ambition. They've got plenty of desires. They're just not willing to work to get it. Okay, I'll keep going. All right. Listen, the Bible says, Proverbs 19, verse 15, laziness casts one into a deep slip, and an idle person will suffer hunger. This is my favorite proverb, 20, 26, verse 14. Remember that TV show, Days of Our Lives? Is that still on? Days of Our Lives? I'm interested. Whoever said yes, that was too quick of an answer. Clearly, you watched that show. Okay. So, day, you know, how's it go? As the sand slips through the... See, you all know it. So are the... Okay, I got a proverb for you. Ready for this one? As the door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Okay, we'll keep going. Number six, he brings painful damage to his employer. Oh, boy, and this one's true. Those of you who have employees and you're an employer, a lazy person, I want to say this, his presence on the job, listen to this, is, is actually worse than his absence from it. Listen to the Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse 9. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Oh, it's so quiet. Okay, Proverbs 10, verse 26. Who's ever had... You ever, you ever um, start of the fire, at, like in you know, a campfire, and you sit around the camp, you get your chair, and you're watching where the wind is blowing because you know you don't want to sit where the smoke is because there's nothing worse than smoke in the eyes. It makes your eyes water. And so I have an anointing that wherever I sit at a campfire and I watch where the smoke is going, I sit on the opposite side. So by the time I put my chair down, the wind automatically changes direction He's over there now, and I get all the smoke in my eyes. Does anybody else have that anointing? Okay, listen to this proverb. Ready for this? 
It says, Proverbs 10, verse 26, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. Yep, vinegar to the teeth. Ooh, vinegar. Ooh. I mean, just think about that. Vinegar. That's, I mean, it's awful. I hate vinegar. I can't stand vinegar. I don't like vinegar in anything. anything. I mean, we go to some restaurants and people put vinegar on their plate and dip their bread in it. You people need help. <laughs> Olive oil, absolutely, all day, every day. But vinegar? Ew. As vinegar to the teeth. As smoke to the eyes. When you have someone who's lazy working for you, that's the employer every day. I want you to catch that. Number seven, seven symptoms of a, of a lazy person. He is the victim of self-induced fears. Listen to what the lazy man says. Boy, Proverbs 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. The lazy man says, it's dangerous out there. The lazy man says, why would I go to work when the government will pay me to stay home? Well, I can get this much money if I stay home, but if I actually work in that job, I only get paid the same amount, but I've got to work. Work is a gift from God. I would rather work. Come on, somebody. So let me talk to you about this animal real quick. You've got a, just a couple more minutes. I want to talk to you about this animal the Bible describes as a sloth. Did you know a sloth is a mammal, and it's about two to three, two to three feet long, and it lives in Central South America in the canopy of trees of a rainforest. Its real name in Hebrew is afsluth. Everybody say afsluth, which means from the Greek word, or the Hebrew word, to be idle, okay? And it can spend, this one animal, this sloth, can spend an entire lifetime in one tree. Some of us have never been out of Hampton Roads. It is the slowest of all mammals, and it sleeps 15 hours or more a day. And what takes advantage of the sloth? Moths and algae. And they attack it, and its primary occupation is eating. And listen to this. This is studies have been done. When food source becomes scarce, it is subject to starvation. A sloth is hard to detect because it is motionless, and it looks like dead leaves. It is deceptive, and its body temperature can vary up to 25 degrees. And how does a sloth view the world? Upside down. That's how most of them spend their time in a tree, upside down. When you're a lazy person, you view the world upside down. You don't see things as they really are. You see things as you are. Come on, somebody. And they're deceptive because they blend in. It's like they're a piece of the furniture. It's like they're, they're there, but they're not doing anything. But they're so used to being there and not doing anything, they just doesn't even notice they're there anymore. Okay? So how do we defeat the nature of a lazy man? And now what usually happens with a message like this, it's people who I know who are incredibly diligent. Boy, pastor, that message spoke to me. And I'm thinking... You're one of the most hardworking people I know. 
How could that message possibly challenge you? It's the others who don't say anything. That I think to myself, I wonder if they heard, not me, the word of God and challenges. So I want to talk to us. How do we beat it? Because I want to tell you, it happens to every people every day. It's not a goal. It's a byproduct. We all have a latent tendency to settle. Can anybody say amen? So how do you beat this? How do you defeat the nature of a lazy person? Number one, you counteract laziness with hunger. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 3. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither should they eat. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, gave a command. You see somebody who's not willing to work? They shouldn't eat. Genesis 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. So here's my thought. If, you are, if this message is challenging you from the Word of God, and you want to defeat this, one of the best things you can do is do a three-day fast and just counteract that laziness with a fast. You will find out just how much you are driven by your flesh. Amen? So look at Matthew 6. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. I Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Listen to this. But only your father who is unseen and your father who has seen what's, and it says, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Can I tell you, there's a reward to fasting. There is a, how many are interested in God's rewards? Well, there's a reward that three people. How many are interested in God's rewards? All right. There's a reward to fasting. Now, we don't fast to get God's favor, but God actually goes, well done. You are leading yourself. You're denying your flesh. You are bringing discipline and diligence into your life. And if you go about, and I'm fasting, everybody, well, then God says, well, then you've got your reward. But if you do it, no one would even know the difference. Then God will reward you openly what you do in private. Somebody ought to give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Number two, you've got to learn the principles of diligence. Look at the Bible says in Proverbs 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. So here's the thought. You've actually got to learn the principles of diligence. So the Bible says where to go to an ant. Do you know you can learn a lot from an ant? I've got a whole study on an ant in my office. I was reading it yesterday in my office. Man, I got to tell you, the ant is amazing. It can lift so much more than its own weight. It can go so much further. It has no real commander as such. It just falls and does what it's supposed to do. And there's all sorts of different ants. It's an amazing study. But let me tell you what I do know about an ant. Basic things. Number one, an ant has initiative. Number two, an ant has self-direction. An ant respects seasons. It knows when to store up for the winter. It knows when to make sure there's enough of food in the storehouse so that they can rest when it's too cold to go out. The ant has the ability to finish a job. And an ant has foresight in planning for the future. The ant shows governance. It shows industry. It has a great appearance of how they work together. 
it has strength, and it has diligence. Third way you beat laziness, listen to this one, is you realize that laziness develops in stages. And if left unchecked, it will disable me and it will disable you. You see, the first stage of laziness is latent. What I would call that is hidden. This is the inward tendency to reject God's requirements for diligence. And the solution is instant obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So when God says, hey, go up and pick up that paper you just threw on the ground, instantly you go pick it up. When I was walking out of my house, I saw a dirty pair of socks. I walked past them and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Steve, go back and pick up your socks. Well, how do you know that was God? That's so easy. What would make me think that thought? That thought would never cross my mind. Now, whether it was God or whether it was Sharon, and sometimes they sound just alike, all I know is I want to make sure that I'm tuning in to that still small voice. I want to make sure that if there's anything that's even latent in my life, that I'm going to be quick to obey any prompting from God. But then there's initial laziness. This is where taking soft choices in life become a way in which you live. In other words, it's, 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 it's initial. It's, you know, you're beginning to make the soft choices. And the way to deal with that, it now is, is like, I'm making a little surrender here. I'm hitting the snooze button there. It's no more latent, but now it's beginning to turn up in my life. I'm making soft choices. How do I beat that? It's real simple. Be accountable to someone for the completion of projects. Hold yourself accountable. I want to do better. I don't just want to deal with anything that's latent, but I want to deal with anything that just starts to turn up initial. If it's beginning to surface in my life, I want to bring accountability to see that change. Amen? And the last one, and this one is beyond words crippling, is when you've got what I call disabling laziness. This is where you allow little surrenders to become a habit. You don't even think about it. It's just a way of life for you. You just, yeah, what's five minutes? I'll just be late. I'm always late. And now it becomes a habit. Well, you know, it's just that little bit more time to rest, that too much TV, too much internet, not enough diligence. And now this has become a habit. Anybody hear me? And allowing these little surrenders have become a habit. Proverbs 19 verse 15, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep. You see, what happens is you end up deceiving yourself. You blend into the trees. You're part of the furniture. And if and when you are challenged, you are wiser in your own eyes than seven men who can give a good reason. Amen? And the way in which we defeat that, the solution, is to fast in order to clarify your goals and to reach your objectives. Number four, I'm almost done. How do I deal with with laziness. I learned the discipline of rising early. Proverbs 6 verse 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Proverbs 24, 26 14. As the door turns on its hinge, so does a sluggard on his bed. Okay? The Bible says, in the bondage of sleep. Proverbs 19 15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep. Proverbs 10 verse 13. Proverbs 20 verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. 
Proverbs 24, verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like a, a, a rob, like an armed man. Proverbs 6, verse 9, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up? Proverbs 6, verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, and poverty is coming. Proverbs 10, verse 5, who, who gather, he who gathers crop in the summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. There's a time to rest and there's a time to work. And we got to know the difference in the seasons. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand if you receive it. Just the last way we defeat it, and my time is up, is we got to learn to respect time, which is what I need to do right now. But we got, a, we got a couple of things we need to land here, church. Listen, we got to realize time is limited. Amen? Death is certain. 100% of the people in this room, every one of us, we're all going to die. Amen? The second coming of Christ is even more certain. Amen? And there are, a, there are a maximum number of productive years that God gives every one of us. And only God knows what that is. Hebrews 9 verse 27. There is a time appointed unto a man once to die, then after that, the judgment. God knows the day we're going to die. We don't. And we got to make sure. The Bible says, Psalm 90 verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Days must be counted. Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, actually, that's the wrong verse. That says 13. It's supposed to be verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days, God, that we may give an account for every single one of them. Amen? So here's the last thought. Time requires accountability. Our idle words and our idle actions, we will be accountable to God for. Amen? Time is entrusted for God's work. Time is irrecoverable. Amen? And time respects no one. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days a week. And this is not one of those feel better messages this is one of those be better messages. And I just feel like what God is saying to the church right now is let's be people who are diligent. Let's not be people who just allow laziness and settle for less than what God has. I've been preaching about Abraham out of Galatians and Catfish and how God said about Abraham's father, he settled in a place, but then Abraham went further and went into the promised land. Amen. But his dad settled for less. God does not want you. He does not want me to settle for less. Can anybody say amen? God has. Abraham became the father of many nations. How is Wave Church where it is today? By faith. Where will it be in its future? By faith. What will you accomplish in your life? It will be by faith. And it will be by hard works in the name of Jesus. We're not saved by our works. Come on, we're not saved by our works, but listen to it. The Lord dismisses the desire of a wicked man. Without a doubt, laziness is wicked. Can anybody say amen? amen. Give the Lord a hand if you receive the word. <laughs>